Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I am joined by Sam Murphy, who runs the Mortgage Medics in Brighton. Sam started Mortgage Medics with John in 2007 and now heads up a strong team of 13 staff across two offices in Brighton and Hove. So I'm interested to hear about how the business grew and what recruitment looked like over those years. I'm also looking forward to hearing about Mortgage Medics Double Decker Bus, which Sam hired for the Brighton Pride. So, so keep listening a bit further on in the podcast. We'll, we'll get into that. It's quite interesting. So Sam and I actually work together on Sam's social media, and we've been chatting for about, about a year now. So uh, this should be a great one, and it'll probably just be a, us chatting for half an hour, 45 minutes, hopefully. So Sam, thanks very much for coming on. How are you? Thanks, Chris. Yeah, good. Thanks. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Busy, busy morning. We just had the um, had a few texts come through with the, the launch of the 95% this morning. Yeah, it's great to see uh, Accord jumping the gun a little bit there and coming out with their own deal without using the government scheme. I think they've really been a, a trailblazer over the last year. So it's been uh, and at 3.99, a little bit less than we anticipated as well. Oh, is it? Yeah, because Accord have been the ones that have because you and I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and they seem to be a company that are really involved in, in interacting with people. And that, I think some of that praise comes off the back of providing mortgage brokers with products, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And you know, they've, they've been, uh, it's been a huge turnaround for them. If you go back five or six years, they were one of the lenders that brokers really didn't like dealing with. They're over fussy. Um, you know, the, the system wasn't great. The criteria was, was inflexible, but, you know, someone's gone in there and absolutely turned the thing around. And the outreach, as you say, to brokers and their growth series, it's a really valuable asset. Um, not wishing to promote another podcast, but yeah, their <laughs> podcast is great. Um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're a real success story of, of modern times in the mortgage world. Yeah, they're very. And what Sam just said there, I was about to mention that it's a really good podcast. The It's called the Accord Growth Series. And there's loads of different people that are interviewed on there from mortgage brokers to I've been on there to spoke about social media. There's loads of different episodes. So it's, it's worth a listen. But we're on the Social for Brokers podcast at the minute. So uh, <laughs> let's get started. Right. So I'd like to start off by getting an understanding of, of how you became a mortgage advisor, because you'd always wanted to become a mortgage advisor since 19, hadn't you? Well, I, I, I wouldn't quite put it like that. I think uh, I, I think I was a, a classic sort of teenager, got to, did my GCSEs, did my A-levels. I was a bit fed up with academia by the time I got to 18. I, I come from a family where university and degrees aren't, aren't the norm. Um, we, we don't seem to be very good at that, but we're good at hard work and there's a, a strong sales background in the family. So I kind of always felt... I was always good with numbers and I, I fell into it really. I remember it was a good old fashioned circling through the job adverts. I think my dad had thrown the local paper in front of me when I was 18 and having what I called a gap year, but what he thought was just uh, <laughs> doing nothing and, uh, and moping about. Now I got a job working for the Woolwich the Building Society in Horsham. Started as a cashier when I was 18 um, and I was always hungry to learn. So they had this opportunity to go on a mortgage advisor training course and I did that. I think I passed my CMAP on my 19th birthday. So the street cred was off the scale, as you can imagine back then. <laughs> and 
I, I had a real chip on my shoulder at the time thinking I was very aware that I was 19 years old. I was advising you know, people in their 40s and 50s, people my parents' age, about their move. And I thought, oh, I've got to be really good at this, you know, because nobody's going to take advice from a 19-year-old if it's, if it's no good. And much to my, well, I was going to say surprise, but I was always quietly confident. I was always good at it. And I think I always got on well with, with clients. I was always honest with people. That's one of the main things. And so I stayed at the Woolwich for a couple of years. Um, and then I realized, oh, there's a whole world out there of independence um, and whole of market. And I got tapped up by a friend who worked for a local chain of estate agents. Um, and so I became a whole of market mortgage advisor when I was 21 and did a couple of years there. And that was a bit of a baptism of fire. I think I was a bit naive as to what being thrown into the world of estate agencies as a 19 year old mortgage advisor would be. But after a couple of years, found my feet there. And then again, probably thought I was too good for it. So decided that my moral compass was too strong and I didn't like the sort of crowbarring in front of um, first time buyers, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I then went to work for an independent brokers that only lasted nine months because unfortunately this we're now in sort of 2007, which was the start of the credit crunch and the, the last financial crisis. And I found myself working for a firm where I knew it wasn't being run particularly uh, ethically. You know, the, the owner wasn't a particularly honorable individual. And I thought, you know, now's the opportunity. I need to jump ship. I'd, I'd met John who I set the business up with there. And so we set up with a laptop, a few clients, um, working remotely from our own homes back in 2007. And I think the day we incorporated the, the limited company was the day people were queuing outside Northern Rock trying to get their money out. Oh, so it wasn't, <laughs> it didn't feel like the ideal um, moment at the time, but we just grew steadily and, uh, grew steadily and, and slowly from then. Um, so that's a whistle-stop tour of how I got into mortgage medics. And so that was set up in 2007 when I was 23. Wow, so you set it when you were 23. That's an achievement to do that at such an age. You know what I mean? Such a young age, I'll be honest, at 23 to start up a business like that, to see where it is now, of course. I suppose you never envisioned it being as, as big as it is, but at 23, wow. I mean, I never really thought of it as setting up a business. We needed a name, we needed a limited company. I really talked about going self-employed at the time, and I thought I can be a one-man band, I can go on my own. But of course, what I realise now and you know, advice I'd give to anyone who's who's going self-employed or setting up on their own you know, is that if you're good, you will grow. And, you know, you've just got to make sure as you grow, you, you keep your, your wits about you and try and make sure you're not going to overload yourself. I think that's the biggest risk for anyone who goes self-employed. If you don't grow, then you're going to keep getting referrals. You're going to keep getting people coming back to you for repeat business. And if you're not careful, it's just going to consume you and you're not going to have any fun anymore. So it's really important to grow you know, slowly and organically, in my opinion, I know there's lots of people who try to, you know, grow rapidly and, you know, with lots of attracting investment. But the way we did it was always just organically and slowly and just trying to head off before we got too busy. So there's that little bit of spare capacity that you can recruit, you can train someone and you can recruit the right people rather than just the first available. So I'm looking forward to getting into that because I think there's a lot of people at the moment where, the mortgage market the property market is extremely busy and people are weighing up do I hire somebody now or do I wait until I'm at my wits my complete wits end and then get somebody so I'm looking forward to, to getting to that but why at 23 did you decide to go it alone instead of going for the security uh, under a company why did you not go and work for a company 
I think it was really that that brief spell I had between the estate agency and setting up mortgage medics that I had nine months of seeing how a small brokerage worked and seeing how badly it was run right. and actually seeing the wrong way to do things I think was was possibly more valuable than seeing the right way to do things because you can <laughs> you can see the mirror image of, of how it should be you can see how you can keep people happy rather than upset them you can see how you can do business ethically rather than unethically and when you see the pitfalls of not doing things the right way I think it really galvanizes you that doing it the right way is going to be the most sustainable way to do things um yeah so it, it really just it, it felt natural having that insight you know it wasn't a big mystery about oh i wonder what it's like running a brokers i knew about mortgage networks you know i knew about going employed self-employed commission splits so although i'd only been whole of market for three years at this time i thought you know what i, I think i know what i need to know i was naive i was ambitious <laughs> um to set up on my own. And I remember the first thing I did was I printed off a list of all my direct debits and so my mortgage and my utility bills and things. And I stuck it on the wall next to my desk and I used to tick them off each month. You know, I, that was my first target was pay the bills. Oh, awesome. I didn't have a load of, didn't have a load of money in the bank. Um, didn't have any investment. I was sat up in, uh, set up in my spare room and I thought, well, I've got to pay the bills and you know, anything above that is a bonus because we were in the recession, you know, it was the, the times of people on the, on the news walking out of Lehman Brothers with their boxes full of their possessions, you know, Halifax share price tumbling in the space of a couple of days and rescue bids and the government taking shares. So it was a scary time. And so I was just really trying to keep my head down and, um, and cover my bills. Oh, awesome. It, it's just, it's nice to hear the success. And see now Mortgage Medics has grown to this huge business across Brighton and Hove, and there is another office as well, but the, the main offices are the Brighton and Hove. I want to know where Mortgage Medics came from. Where did the name actually come from? Oh, I think I, I think we were actually sat around in the old company in Crawley that we worked for for a brief period of time. And we were like, oh, we need a name. And at the time, there was going to be four of us. And that it turned out being two for various reasons. But we thought we can't use our surnames because we sound like a very old-fashioned law firm having four surnames, one after the other. So we thought, well, let's have Mortgage in the name. And I think our first... Um, choice was the mortgage doctors um but someone had that right. <laughs> so i thought well what about mortgage medics on the same line bit of alliteration um and over the years i, I kind of fell in and out of love with the name if, I, if i'm honest because i felt oh you know does it you know does it give people you know does it give high net worth individuals the right impression of the, the quality of the work we do or do people think we're only doing um adverse credit but you know i've thought about changing the name over the years um but actually Generally, the feedback is it's a decent name and we've had it for so long now and we're relatively known by it. And you can have a bit of fun with it as well. You know, you can talk about financial checkups or, you know, open heart surgery for your mortgage and your credit file and things. So, yeah, we, th we thought about doing an April Fool's gag where we offered a free um, a free physical with every mortgage we arranged, but we decided against it. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it. Yeah, just yeah, come into the office and uh, we'll have the, um, the what they're called, the, um, the gloves sort of that uh not the plastic gloves what are they called like the rubber gloves <laughs> oh late, yeah latex, latex gloves. yeah well the other thing we thought about we thought about maybe having like a mobile office where you could go around like to shopping centers and like have this old ambulance we could paint up and say you know come in for a free mortgage review but again we thought we might end up with people you know presenting to us with palpitations or something imagine it oh is this the embarrassing bodies truck do you mind if i <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so you've done something that a lot of brokers would love to do and that's kind of 
take a step back from the business because you've hired the right people and you've got a great team because I've when we create posts, you send me some of their stuff over photos of them kind of sat at home with their pets with a cup of tea and they seem a lovely bunch of people. It must be nice for you to be able to take a step back and really trust those people to run the business how you want them. How have you got it to that stage? I think a lot of it really is you, you work out what you're capable of. You know, there's only so many hours in the day and you realise in periods of being overwhelmed and overworked that you're not effective and as soon as you've got other people who are dependent on you for leadership um, and and you know things like internal systems and processes and templates you know if I can dedicate time to doing those things that benefit everyone that's more useful than me you know, holding on to you know, all of my remortgaged clients that you know I love dealing with but practically speaking you know I haven't got enough hours in the day to do all of that so I realized that you know, I'm going to have to start separating my duties. You know, it's a, it's a cliche that small business owners wear lots of hats, but you know, it's an inescapable reality. And the, it actually went hand in hand. You know, as we started growing and recruiting advisors who were starting out and you know, needed uh, to grow their client bank, a great way to do that was to introduce existing clients of mine whose requirements were uh, you know, not complicated, and having a handover call with a new advisor and saying, look, here's a new client for you. And you know, Mr. Client, great news is, you know, our new recruit here has been molded in my image. So you know, they do everything that, that I've done for you, but they're going to have more time for you because, and I've been honest with clients in the past and said, look, you know, I've got a lot of responsibilities now. And unfortunately, I just can't keep all of the clients that I would like to. I think as advisors, we're generally not very good at segmenting our client bank and working out, you know, who costs us lots of time and makes us very little money. Um, you know, we, we have a habit of trying to please everyone all the time. So it was really important for me to try and work out what's going to be good for the business and good for the team. And you know, that means that I've had to scale down. I'd say client work probably accounts for 30% of my, my daily workload now. See, I love that because mortgage brokers that I speak to that are successful, it's almost like you love your clients that much. You don't want to let them go, do you? They're all, you're so passionate about, you know, John Smith and you know how he likes his appointment and you know that he got married and had a little one and did this. And you know what I mean? You're kind of part of their story or part of their life for the last five, 10 years. So it must be quite hard to then say, look, John, I know I've dealt with you and I want to carry on, but I just haven't got that time, but I've trained up Mary now to do my appointments exactly the same as I would and that that must be quite tough for you to step back especially being in it for so long yeah it, it is but you know I think when you learn the hard way when you have a, a bit of a burnout phase and you, know, you get moaned you get moaned out when you come home and you I was once given an ultimatum you know between the the business and my marriage um <laughs> so that you know that was a wake-up call um you know, I, I think you've just got to be wise to these things. And if you can see problems coming, then that's great. You know, but but it's it's human nature. I was talking to one of our advisors only last week and he's been with us five or six years. He might listen to this. I won't name him. But um, yeah, he was saying, oh, you know, I'm really overloaded at the moment. You know, I said, Look, is, is it is it business? Is it is it work? He's like, yeah, no, no it will all come together. I've just got a lot on. I'm like, OK, well, look, what, what we need to do is we need to make a plan to grow you out of you know we get lots of inquiries through our website which is fantastic but we need to grow you away from taking new inquiries and just help you 
cultivate your existing clients and spend more time with them. And he was like, oh, well, hang on a minute. No, I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. (laughs) You know, don't turn the tap off. And I said, look, I know what, you know, you're contradicting yourself. You're saying, I can't cope. I've got too much on, but don't turn the tap off. And that's great because he wants to, you know, he wants to keep busy. But, you know, he's, I think we all need that leap of faith where we realize, do you know what? If if I turn off to new inquiries, I might have the odd, a barren month where I don't do much but they're the months where you can go back and think right who didn't I manage to get in for a protection meeting before you know who haven't I spent some time with you know who's on a lifetime mortgage from a few years ago where we might be able to get them a better deal um you know there, there's real value in, in freeing up your time it's having that definitive time where as you say to stop yourself burning out um and really managing what you've got at that at that time isn't it See, with your staff, you speak very highly of your staff, not just today, but when we when we talk um, every, every week, you talk very highly of them. So they obviously mean a lot to you. But where do you find the ideal staff? Because I think that's where a lot of people do struggle. It, it, we've got a real mixed bag, to be honest. We've we've got um, a, a broad age range from 21 to 50 something. Um, and we've got different backgrounds as well. So we've got some people who worked for banks and building societies before and I have to say that is quite a good training ground working for a bank or building society because obviously the financial regulation the compliance all the all the basic stuff is covered off really well there we've had a couple of people come from estate agency um, and you know they've got the property market knowledge and they've got the sales um, skills you know perhaps a bit more advanced Um, it's been a mixture we've used recruitment consultants in the past we've I've been approached on LinkedIn a few times which I'm We'll, we'll probably come on to you. I think that's a great tool, and that's one of the advantages that you perhaps don't necessarily set out um, set out to achieve with social media is that you know when you make your brand look good, people want to come and work for you. So it's been a real mixed bag. But, but I'd encourage anyone who's thinking of growing, you know, don't don't set your ideas too firmly in stone about what type of person you want to recruit. And you know, if you have the time, interview people because as in interview lots of people rather than just taking, you know, a recommendation from someone. Because what really amazed me when we started to grow to four, five, six people was, you know, I thought I could kind of pigeonhole people and think, oh, you know, he's this type of person, she's this type of person. But everyone is so different. And it's a huge benefit to the business that you have people from different backgrounds uh, with different skill sets and strengths and weaknesses. So have a broad spectrum, but so so your tip is really to try and interview as many people as you can. I suppose it gives you experience in that in interviewing as well. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd like to say we've always been super organised and had the time for recruitment, but uh, but the reality is, you know, we've often been recruiting in a bit of a hurry because we've thought, oh, you know, we're really under pressure now. We need to try and get another pair of hands on the scene. So you know, it hasn't always been the most formal, um, you know, cultured process our recruitment process um, and we've recently started using um, psychometric testing which I think definitely gives you a little advantage if you're trying to compare you know half a dozen people with different skill sets um, yeah making time is the hardest thing you know and as a if you're a one-man band and you're just consumed by client work it's incredibly difficult to, to find the time for it but you've got to do it otherwise you're just going to start losing the clients that you love because you're not going to have enough time for them you'll end up prioritizing the people who are perhaps harder work, but you know, aren't really the clients you'd want to prioritize if you had a choice. So it's just taking that leap to start hiring as soon as you can, really, I suppose, when you've got the business to be able to do it. 
yeah, and you know, you'll be working harder, you'll probably be earning less because you're paying another salary, but that's all short term. You know, you you've got to get over that that one man band and you've got to accept that you know not everyone's gonna do it exactly how, how you would. You know, it doesn't have to be your way to be good enough. And you never know, you'll be surprised with the way the techniques other people can bring to the business that will make you think, Oh, do you know what? That's you know, I'll try doing that, or I've got into a bad habit, I'll go back to doing what this person's doing. Well, it's great to learn from different people, isn't it? And you won't know that until you get somebody else in the business. But I hope that's useful for people because a lot of a lot of people I'm speaking to at the moment, they're on that edge to say, look, it's a one-man band. Am I in a position to hire somebody? And like you've said, even though it might bring your turnover or profits down for a short term, you can learn a lot from that person and it can free you time up to do to go back to your bank and go and have a look at what opportunities you've missed because you've been so busy so hope people find that useful right so onto the social media part of the of the podcast how important do you think it is at this very moment in time for people to be well for businesses to be on social media sam i mean look, it, it, it's essential and i think everybody i think most people know that um speaking from personal experience you know I, i'm mid-30s now so i've as an adult, I've grown up with social media. I wasn't, I'm not young enough that I had it as a child, which is what you know, the next generation of first time buyers will have grown up with. Um, yeah, especially right now in lockdown, you know, when you drive down the high street and you know, all the buildings are shuttered, you know, our offices are, are shuttered, we've got skeleton staff in there. You know, how do you know a business is, is, is open for business? Um, and how do you get an insight into how they work and what they do and whether they're any good? Social media really, you know, is, is absolutely essential. Um, and I think across all the platforms, you know, I, I went for a long time thinking, oh, we'll just focus on Facebook. So I didn't really spend any time on Instagram. I didn't think it was very business friendly, let alone for a mortgage broker. You know, who wants to look at pictures from a mortgage broker? Um, I didn't spend much time on LinkedIn because I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not looking for a job. That's what I used to think. You know, I don't need to go on LinkedIn because I'm not looking for a job. Um, and so, yeah, it, again, it was a time thing. And that's where, you know, working with you over the last year has has been so so useful i kind of had a, an epiphany a couple of years ago i thought right we need to have a bigger presence but i thought how am i ever going to find the time to do this it's the time element isn't it and that's where if you can't afford to outsource social media for somebody it, to somebody it's so important to put that time aside every week because you're building the business for six months time it might not be straight away but like you said it, it's booking in that time isn't it and what would you say for you is the, I say, what we'll say, your personal favourite for social media and your favourite for the business social media, what are the two that you go for? I think one of the downsides of, because uh, although you do a lot of work for me, I, you know, I'm still engaged with all the platforms. I think one of the downsides of, of using social media for work is that you, you probably use it personally a bit less. But mm. arguably, you know, social media isn't always a force for good when it comes to plastering your your daily routine uh, over the internet for everyone to have an opinion on um i think it depends what you're what you're hoping to achieve you know facebook's increasingly become a a controversial platform and yeah there's a lot there's a lot of negativity on, on there but you know it's still got a huge reach it's got a very broad age range there's lots of people who rely on facebook for their news and for their you know their local community updates as well um so i think it's really important to tailor the posts to the platform as well so for linkedin for example i'll always try to write a comment you know and I'll, I'll re i'll reshare our work posts with a personal comment that gives a bit of value added to it because i know there's 
there's generally a higher quality of conversation on LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram, uh, you know, that's very visual. You know, you can't put hyperlinks in the, uh, in the caption for the for the post, so that's a bit of a challenge there. But I think the, the overarching thing with social media that people often overlook is that it's not necessarily about attracting strangers. It's about letting your own network know what you do. You know, the average person who grew up with Facebook, or you know, they're going to have, you know, 500 to 1,000 friends or contacts, depending on how, you know, easy they were to connect in the first place. And I'm sure I speak for a lot of brokers. When you see a post on social media of someone you know, and it might be a friend of a friend or someone you met on holiday, and you see them putting a post on, you know, with keys in their hand, where they've just, you know, just completed on their first purchase, you suddenly feel like you've been betrayed. You think, <laughs> what, what, you know, why didn't I do your mortgage? And, you know, surely everyone knows that's what I do. But actually, once you get outside your immediate social circle, how many people really know what you do? And the thing I've noticed with being with the company and me being more active on social media without boring people is you get people come out of the woodwork who say, oh, you know, either I've been dealing with somebody else or, you know, can you look into this for me? And it's people like, you know, old school friends that I haven't seen for 10 or 15 years. And it's great to reconnect with them. But if they don't know what you do, is it a bit awkward? You know, might they just take the easy route and go down the estate agency? If you're posting about, you know, what's current, what we do, you know, here's a good review. And then they do their own bit of research in the background. I think, oh, yeah, that's a stroke of luck. My old mate from school, you know, he provides a really good service for people who are doing what I'm trying to do now. So, you know, and if you think of a firm like us, we've got 12 or 13 people, you know, if they've all got 500 um, friends, then, you know, you're talking about 6,000 people. Yeah. And I don't need to market to much more than 6,000 people with that implied level of trust. So it's not necessarily about attracting strangers to knock on your door or, or you know, put a, a form through the website. Yeah, the first thing you can do with social media is just make sure that everyone you already know knows what you do. And it's interesting that you say one of your friends comes out the woodwork. That person may not have even interacted with any of your posts for the last 12 months. Doesn't mean that they haven't seen it and they haven't seen your customer review or your article that you've released. And that's like you say, you just need to be consistently drip feeding that knowledge and those type of posts to those people so they know what you do because if nobody knows what you do you're never going to get any business are you and social media is the perfect way to to shout about that exactly and you know what you don't you, every post doesn't have to be uh you know a, a prize winner you know it doesn't have to be serious it doesn't have to be fun you know it just has to be there and i think it has to be you know inobtrusive you know you don't want to spam people all the time but you know, if people see something and it's, you know, all your graphics are great because they're quite striking visually. And that's really important. You can see when brokers have tried to do their own stuff in-house or they've, you know, the, the quality isn't great. You think, oh, you know, at least they're trying, but it doesn't look very polished. And I think as long as you're just, even if people only rest on it for two seconds and then carry on scrolling, that's another two seconds of your brand, you know, imprinting on their retina. And it means they've got that familiarity. And when they need you, you know, they might click on the next post. Exactly. And they'll, they'll hopefully get in touch with you. Now, your approach to social media. Yes, I do the, the polished visuals and upload the nice mortgage medics with the green. But you want to be as a person, you're quite you're quite informative on social media, aren't you? You write a lot of blog posts and it's almost you try and position yourself as a thought leader in that area. Has that helped you kind of like connect with customers? Have they bought that up in the past where they've read an article or in an appointment? Have you had that before? 
Yeah, I mean, and everyone's different. So some people will read articles and other people will be, oh, I'm not clicking on that link. You know, I haven't got time for this. You know, it says a three minute read or something on the preview. You know, I'm not up for that today. Um, so I, I try and, especially on LinkedIn, because, you know, I'm generally connected to either clients or industry contacts or, or even friends on there. I try and just put a couple of sentences on there that say, you know, there's a graphic below, but what we're talking about is this. So this morning, for example, you know, I put a, a very short post about it's great to see the return of 95% mortgages from Accord. And I haven't then said, you know, if you're thinking of needing a 95% mortgage, get in touch. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that <laughs> the inference is there that, you know, oh, people have been waiting for them might think, oh, OK, fine. Um, they're back. Let's have a chat. Doesn't always have to be a sales pitch, does it? It, it can be just adding some information to somebody's day that they scroll past and go, oh, that's interesting. But then when their remo's up in six months, they turn around and go, oh, actually, I saw a nice article from Mortgage Medics. I'm much more inclined to phone them than a company that's just been trying to ram sales down my throat for the last six to 12 months. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, there's not many people who would, will go to bed reading a, a CMAP textbook or something. Yeah. It's it's not, the product stuff isn't isn't thrilling. Um, so we try and keep it fairly broad. So we'll talk about, you know, how to improve your credit rating. We'll talk about things that are completely unrelated to mortgages, but, you know, might be a good lifestyle read. Like, you know, when when the first lockdown eased and you could you could holiday in the UK, we you know, highlighted some beauty spots and things like that. So what, what we always fear is people, you know, unfollowing or unsubscribing because we're boring them or we're spamming them. And I think as long as you keep it, you know, moderate in the amount of posts you do, and and interesting you know not every post can be a cute cat post but they do get the most likes so it's good to have a few in there from time <laughs> to time nice break up. so then we talked about social media and i love talking about social media but i also appreciate clever marketing and i want to talk about this double decker bus that you hired for the brighton pride festival so talk <laughs> us that. when was it what did it look like because you had banners and flags and everything pasted across this double decker bus didn't you yeah, so I mean, I've lived in Brighton for 15 years, and Brighton Pride is one of the highlights of the of the year. It, you know, the population of the city doubles. You know, hundreds of thousands of people come down. It's it's mad. It's chaotic. It's fun. It's friendly, um, and there's a huge parade that that kicks off the day. It sets off at 11 a.m. It snakes through town. It's over a mile long, uh, and it's a mixture of you know floats and people dancing and open top buses and local businesses and big businesses and I thought oh you know what? it's it's great fun I fancy a bit of that and I think we were a bit smaller than we are now but I said to everyone look we're gonna let's do this um I'm gonna get t-shirts printed bring your partner bring your kids give us an open top double-decker bus and I thought oh you know what not everyone wants to dance on a on a pride parade <laughs> so I thought what can I do that will make us look at you know look attractive and interesting uh, without making people feel uncomfortable who are on the bus. So first of all, there was a downstairs bit where you could sit if you didn't want to be you know, exposed on the top deck and get sunburned. And uh, my mum stayed down there because she just had a knee up, but she came on the pride on the parade and had a great time. Um, but we got, we got everyone, we had like neon t-shirts printed and I just got a load of flags made up. Really simple idea, you know, big A1 flags, stuck them on garden canes. And everyone was just waving these flags like lunatics. Um, there was no booze allowed on the bus, but somehow some managed to. There's not a chance that was a drop. <laughs> <laughs> and we had these big banners. So if you go onto YouTube and search mortgage medics, we've got a, a couple of short videos on there actually. Um, so 
it was so much fun. I wouldn't say we got much business off it, but what we definitely got was recognition from existing clients saying, oh, you know, saw your bus in the parade. Um, it was great fun. I'd definitely do it again. Um, and I think it just shows that, you know, whether it's you know, most towns and cities have local festivals, you know, get involved. You know, it could be a farmer's market or it could be like a, you know, a, a local motor show or something, you know, whatever your local area does, get involved and don't worry that it's not going to pay for itself or generate you know leads on the day you, know, you don't sit there with a clipboard thinking I wonder who, how many leads I can get today you think do you know what I can involve some or all of the staff I can make it fun and I can make it a bit memorable and I think it's a it's hugely important especially when you're dealing with something that can be relatively dry like financial services you know try and make it interesting and try and you know, make people's working experiences fun from time to time you never thought about it from that point of view actually yes you're doing it for the branding and you're getting your name out there but a great way to get your team involved and have a team day i mean what the job could you sit on the top of a because it was a beautiful day as well the day that you had it wasn't it sit on the top of a bus sunbathe and wave a, wave a flag for a few hours and just have a bit of a laugh yeah it, it was great fun and it, so for, for those people who know brighton and hove it starts off on the seafront in hove 11 a.m it's all kind of you know mums and push chairs it's very uh you know, we actually start decorating the bus at about um half eight nine in the morning so you know the, the Prosecco starts flowing quite early but by the time it gets to the end of the parade near Preston Park and the, the London Road end of town you know it's it's a it's a bit more rough and ready and there's there's people kind of uh, who've obviously um, been enjoying themselves for a few hours yes. so it's getting a bit chaotic by the end of it um, but yeah, it, it, it's a great day and I'd you know hopefully it will be on again this year I, I don't know if we'll be able to I don't think we've got plans to put a bus in this year um, it's all a bit up and down with Covid but yeah I think maybe next year we'll do it again and talking about that local area we'll talk about your charity at the end of the podcast and your involvement but it's just being about getting involved with the local community isn't it that that's what it is yeah i think so and you see it with estate agents when they're you know sponsoring local fairs and things like that because they did you know, they'll put a, a fake for sale board up in someone's garden because it's an advert for the, yeah. the event or something but you know get, get involved and in you know if you've i've not got kids but if you've got kids at school you know get involved with the school stuff you know have that budget you should always allocate some marketing budget to stuff and you know don't measure it by the number of inquiries you get immediately attributable to that you know it's it's a bigger picture and it makes you feel good as well yeah and that's that's something that you can do yourself and i am i yet yeah, i'm a big believer in social media but i also believe in those physical things that you can do to really promote yourself when it comes to kind of the social media part of things, and you said to me that it, it was quite hard to manage that time, how important do you think it is to to outsource those those tasks for like social media or like admin? I mean, look, if it's what you're best at, social media and, and graphic design, then maybe do that instead of financial services because it's probably <laughs> probably more fun. Two very different things. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 it would take me all week to create the posts that you do um and you know it's just it's it's part of the setup here now i think it's crucial that we have these regular high quality visuals going out um you know you, you might be surprised how affordable it is to have someone professional on board to do it yeah it's absolutely essential for us and if, if you want it to look good you know unless you're a graphic designer don't try and do it yourself you know get get someone who knows what they're, they're doing on board especially now when everything's closed down as you said like you've got lovely offices and they're right in the center but at the moment nobody's really seen them are they because nobody's out and about hopefully it will change but social media no, I, present that polished image can't you 
Exactly. And, you know, we've not done a face to face client meeting, you know, in, in the flesh uh, for or for a year now. Uh, we're at the year anniversary. We've done a couple of garden appointments in the summer. Um, so, yeah, you, you have to be proficient online. You, know, you have to let people know you're open for business and that you can work in these um, these you know changing times. Awesome. And I hope that that changes pretty quickly. So now we're going to go to the strategy question, which everybody knows I love this one. So we're going to pretend that you have up sticks because you're right at the bottom. You're right on the south coast, aren't you? And you've been dropped at the north of Scotland. And all you've got is a laptop, a mobile phone and an Internet connection. What are the first few things that you do to start generating mortgage leads? I think I'd rather have a choice and go south, first of all. But if I have to go into Scotland rather than the south of France. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I think social media is a really important piece of the puzzle. Um, I don't know how many, uh, you know, online connections I'm allowed to still have. But, you know, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that, you know, seeing people face to face. We loved it, but we've survived without it. And, you know, if you've got an established business, and to be honest, this is something that I think a few of the team have thought about, you know, can I go and live in the south of France? Or, you know, could I have an extended holiday and still work remotely? And, you know, if someone came to me and said, this is what I want to do, I'd say, let's give it a try. You know, I don't think actually there's anything you need to change, particularly now we're all good with you know, sending documents electronically. But in terms of what I would do, yes, I'd probably, if I wanted to try and establish myself in a new locality, I'd probably do some targeted Google ads, some Facebook ads, some paid promotions on, on uh, you know, maybe LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. But, you know, I wouldn't try and rush it because if you're good at what you do, you know, it will come naturally. Um, and, you know, and if you're a good salesperson, a good advisor, then you'll probably get out and about, you know, locally and and make friends with the you know when the pubs are open and the schools and things like that so i think i think there's we don't often spend money on paid promotions and adverts with facebook we've done it from time to time for special campaigns so i think if you're looking for a little boost it's certainly something that um you know, we've we've got a proven return on in the past but i think just you've got to be diverse you've got to use the old-fashioned networking techniques of getting out and about um as well as the online ones and that's a, a great answer to that question, because although, yes, I do speak about a lot of social media on this podcast, it's you need that broad approach. You need to get involved in the local community. And we've just spoken about that. You need to have the social media presence. You need to be down the pub. That's when you're all started out, isn't it? And that's you need that. You need to be omnipresent, really. A lot of people talk about that. You need to be seen everywhere. And as you've done for Mortgage Medics, you've organically grown it and you've not rushed it. Have you? You've not taken on stupid not stupid bits of business, that's the wrong word, but bits of business that didn't really fit with your company ethos. You definitely have to learn when to say no. You know, if someone comes to you with a fantastic inquiry along the lines of, you know, I've got, you know, three properties all worth two million quid and you know, I need mortgages and all of them, you know, but I'm trying to you know, avoid stamp duty. I'm currently living in the Cayman Islands and you have to know when to say, look, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love the business if it's above board, but actually this isn't something we can help you with. Um, and growing slowly, it gives you the time to focus on, you know, what you're still good at with clients and focus on growing with the right employees and the right team members. So, I mean, if, if people can grow quicker and effectively, then great. But uh, yeah, I, I've seen lots of um, lots of challenges when people have tried to do that in the past. And 
I'm a bit on the cautious side, so I've, I've enjoyed the slow growth because I feel like it's sustainable and it's, it's really organic. I remember anyone listening to this, Sam has been there and done it. He's built a business with 13 staffing that's very successful. So if you're going to listen to anybody, listen to what he's saying there. Take it slow and steady. Don't try and rush it and just be... You, You've probably heard from this podcast, Sam's very thorough in his approach to business, ticking off your direct debits. Those were your goals at the beginning, building their teams, training the team. So, yeah, just don't try and rush it. That would be, from me looking at it, because I don't run a mortgage business, from me looking at you, that's the things that I would take away from this podcast. So, awesome. The last thing on the podcast, I want to speak about your charity. So, everybody that I have on the podcast, I donate £10 to a charity that's close to your heart. And I know we, we want to have a chat about this charity because it's it's a charity that you've really worked closely with, haven't you, with Mortgage Medics? Yeah, so we've, we've, been, um, we've been talking to Sussex Nightstop, which is the charity for... Uh, quite quite a while and been aware of them and doing a bit of ad hoc fundraising for a couple of years but towards the end of last year we we really launched a formalized partnership where we're doing a, a regular commitment to, to help fundraise for them and it's an amazing um, setup they have so night stop try and help people who are on the brink of homelessness so you know in Brighton there are homeless shelters there are you know first start centers where they try and get people on their feet but actually for a lot of especially younger people the risk is when they're on the brink when they're sofa surfing you know when they're being approached and offered you know you can earn a bit of money by doing this you know and some of these things aren't particularly savory and what nightstop tries to do is they work with the local ymca and they try to just intervene and help people who need a place to stay short term so they work with local host families who are willing to um, put someone up for a night a few nights but usually nothing longer than a week and it's really just a safe space for for someone and a lot of their um their people they help our young people who are quite vulnerable uh, and a lot of their host families are you know older families but there's uh, sorry older couples but there's also younger fam you know people with young kids as well who you know see the value in being able to um expose their family to the experiences other people are having so when i first heard about it, it's like what so you get people to take in you know vulnerable people and people who are struggling they might have their own issues you know I thought well how does that work you know are you worried they're going to steal things are you worried they're going to you know bring people back or that and you know it's fascinating most of these people who need help you know they're fine they're just normal people they've just had a bit of a rough time and they just need a bit of safety and security a few hot meals and a bit of support to try and help get themselves back on track so it's actually a really low cost charity you know they can achieve a lot with a little bit of funding because they rely on the support of volunteers but i thought it's such an amazing um system they have there that we just had to get involved um and what's interesting is over the last um 12 months you know the government initiative has kept most people housed who are at risk of homelessness anyway but that um, initiative called everybody in is due to end at the end of this month i think mm -hmm. uh, so it might be extended we don't know uh, but there's potentially a, a huge homelessness issue on the horizon again where everyone gets kicked out of hotels. So so that donation will go to helping people like that. Um, and moving forward, you you make donations off the back of every mortgage, don't you? It's nice to have that that link. We do, yeah. So thank you very much for your donation. You know, for every mortgage we arrange, we donate £5 to Sussex Nightstop. Um, and we try and raise the profile as well. You know, We tell our clients, we send them a little flyer, this is what we're doing with, with part of the, the money we're earning for your mortgage. So yeah, thanks for the opportunity to to highlight that, and um, yeah, we look forward to 
really making a difference to some young people's lives. Awesome. I think that's a lovely way to sign off the podcast. Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It's uh, it's just, I'm, I'm sure we could sit here and talk for hours, couldn't we? Like we normally do. <laughs> but thank you for coming on. I do appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks, Chris. Cheers, Sam. Thank you. So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.